Well, today I'd like to pick up where I left off yesterday and give you some more detail on a few news stories we shared yesterday that truly do have an impact on your life. And then I'd like to take a little time to take you behind the scenes of this program. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Yesterday, I shared a few news stories you don't hear a whole lot about. Some of it you do, but not all of it. I had mentioned that on Sunday, President Biden was on 60 Minutes in a segment where he announced the end of the COVID pandemic. Of course he did. He had to. Number one, it's hard to keep it alive as long as they have. Number two, they need some kind of a success story to to pander to voters in the upcoming election about 45 days from today. So you can expect to have all these little bits of good news coming coming out of the Biden administration, and you can also expect that the mainstream corporate media, as Rush Limbaugh years ago called it accurately, the state-run media, they will echo as a cheering section, like cheerleaders, everything that the incompetent Biden administration does and put a good spin on it. COVID is over. The pandemic is behind us. Happy days are here again. You're going to hear a lot of stories like that in the, in the days and weeks ahead. And there are multiple reasons why we have to make COVID, at least for now, behind us for a couple of reasons. We want, number one, the media and politicians, all politicians to a degree, that are really political animals, I'll put it that way, they rely on you having a short-term memory, not a long-term. They, they're hoping you don't remember what they said two months ago, let alone two years ago about any given topic. They are dependent on the short-term memory. They're dependent upon you living and breathing the latest and greatest soundbite, news story, news cycle, and hope that you dispose of it real fast and forget that they said something. You know, last year at this time, we were being told to prepare for a winter of gloom, doom, and death from Omicron that never materialized, especially being told it was a pandemic of the unvaccinated and it proved to be otherwise. So there's a lot of narrative they're needing to, well, put way back in the recesses of our minds to be forgotten and hopefully never to be remembered at important times like elections. So I want to pick up on a few of these stories, and I'm going to take you behind the scenes of the radio program. Plus, I have a couple of other stories that I think you really need to to follow and understand to get a better understanding of the mess we as a nation are in and maybe some of the things we can do to at least slow it down. There are times I realize I don't think we can fix all this, but we can slow it down. We might be able to make things a little better in our corner of the world, possibly. So I, I want to get into that. 
I ran across this story, and it comes from one of those sources that I, I, look, I look at on a fairly regular basis. And one of the things that, that has come to mind is the American dream is no longer affordable. And, and we're seeing something happening because of inflation, where more and more people are hoping things will get better. Somehow it'll turn around and... A lot of people are using short-term credit. They're using their credit cards more extensively than they did before. They're coming up a little short on the monthly bills. And we're finding out that tens of millions of Americans are having a difficult time even affording some of the basics. People that purchased homes in the last couple of years and now they're and they were marginal. They could barely get by. You know, if anything was to go wrong, anything happens, it upsets the apple cart on a very tight budget. I talked yesterday about the kind of expectations that we have in our world today. When I started out fifty years ago, I was thankful to have a little twin bed in a small bedroom in this old house that a bunch of us guys were leasing as we went to a trade school, an electronics two-year trade school. And I was thankful to have a job. And I didn't worry about my next meal. I didn't worry about much of anything. I had a small income. I had some money set aside for school. And with what I made and what I had set aside, there was always gas in the car. There was always food in the refrigerator or in a cupboard. I rarely went to anything that resembled a restaurant, to be quite honest, because I really couldn't afford it. I didn't eat a bunch of junk food. I rarely bought potato chips or soda pop or any of that stuff. I just didn't. I had learned how to cook so I could handle myself. Matter of fact, there were three of us that came from the same high school in upstate New York. We started out together. Some dropped by the wayside sooner than others or moved to other places or took different jobs or made other, you know, arrangements with their life. But all three of us knew how to cook. There's a long story I'll tell you on that one day, how the three of us had learned how to do that and how we went to school together. So we were able to take care of ourselves. And and I don't remember having sleepless nights. I don't remember worrying about the electricity being turned off. I don't remember any time thinking about, they're going to come get my car. I didn't have a car loan. In other words, I wasn't wealthy. I didn't have a whole lot. But I had what I needed at the time. Had a nice place to, like I say, I had a very small room and I had a kitchen, an old house, school, the hours. I had the weekends off, which was unheard of. I worked five days a week in school, five days a week, had Saturday and Sunday off. Unheard of. But today it seems like we've thrown so many things into the mix. We've added more bills than we used to have before. And certain bills are a much higher percentage of our incomes than they ever have been before, including energy costs to a degree. Our expectations are different. 
the things we need to function in society today are different than what we needed back years ago. Internet is no longer a luxury like it was 30, 35 years ago. It's become a necessity. If you want to deal with the government or, or a lot of companies, you look, go, go, go online. You got to, you know, we don't want to talk to you on the phone. We, we, we go do it online. And so our expectations are totally different. So with all these demands on our paychecks, it's getting hard for people to, to keep up with the necessities. The American income has never kept pace until recently, and now it's gone reverse again with inflation. I was thinking the other day, and maybe if you're my age, if you're in my age bracket, if you're a baby boomer, you'll understand this. I can remember like 50 years ago, the idea of making a hundred and something a week. You could live on that. We laugh at that today. But then again, our money was worth vastly more than it is today. There are times I'll listen to some old-time radio programs. I enjoy them because, you know, it, it, it's kind of like a break and takes you away from all the current stuff that goes on in the world. And you'll hear somebody talking about, you know, expenses for travel or hotel expenses or a restaurant expense or whatever it is. And, and you, you laugh at it because it sounds so ridiculous. You know, dinner for two, $5. At a fancy restaurant, no, de- no, no less. And the things were, you know, uh, 10 cents for a cup of coffee. I mean, and on and on it goes. Today, that 10 cent cup of coffee may cost you 2 or $3, 20 times higher. But are we really being paid 20 times more? No, we have our our paychecks have gone up over the years with inflation, but it's never fully kept up with inflation. Plus, we have additional demands on the paycheck that weren't there 50 years ago. I can remember even in my my lifetime. In the 1970s. My wife worked part-time, but not all of the time. And I was able to make enough money, even though I was not paid all that much, to live off just my paycheck. My wife did not have to work. My wife stopped working, uh, really, around 1978. I think she went to work a couple of times just for the fun of it. And maybe at the holiday season or something, you know, to work for one of these stores for, you know, four or five weeks. But I could make enough money at the time to pay the bills for our family. Today, it takes two incomes to do the same thing. In order to pay a mortgage, in order to pay the power bill, the insurance, the other utilities, the cell phone bill, the internet. And who knows what else? The, the, the two car payments. It takes two incomes. And the idea of nurturing and raising children has been tossed over the side. We let daycares do it. I remember a term that I heard in the 1990s that made me just cringe. 
something about these words the first time I ever heard them made me very upset. When parents would talk about the time they spend with children, because see, the kids now are in daycare. And increasingly through the 80s and 90s, kids got involved with all kinds of activities. They didn't even have time to be kids anymore with all the planned activities. And, and parents would use this, this sickening phrase, we, we have some quality time with our children. See, that was supposed to be the substitute of time with your children. We don't spend near the time we had in generations past. And now we spend quality time, you know, that hour or two on the weekend kind of thing, quality time. And the divorce rate was skyrocketing. And now you had kids, you know, shuffling back and forth from home to home on a weekend. And over the years, it hasn't gotten better, even with all the technology, even with all the artificial intelligence, as I mentioned yesterday. Has it gotten any better than it was way back when? We've made some foolish decisions as a people, and our leaders have made exceedingly foolish decisions. We're facing historic inflation as a result. And this crisis, this cost of living has been soaring in recent months. And most Americans have not seen their income soar along with it. And our collective standard of living here in the United States, in Canada, in Europe, in the UK, in Australia, New Zealand, it has been slowly eroding. And it's not going to get any better. And honestly, I don't see it getting any better in 2023 in spite of, here in the United States in particular, in spite of what could happen in the election in about six weeks because you will still have the Biden administration vetoing anything that they're trying to change. The best we can hope for is a stalemate beginning in January. That's the best we can hope for here in the United States. We can also hope that maybe in a few other states that maybe the tide will turn a little bit. I don't think that it's a foregone conclusion that a Democrat has to win the governorship of New York State. I think Lee Zeldin has a really a really good shot at it. I think that I know a lot of the conservatives in New York State have picked up and left. And they're leaving behind an ever-rising tax burden on those that remain. And it's going to hit critical mass. Another story of why the pandemic needs to be over, just so you know, is there is be, there's stories coming out and, you know, about where did COVID really come from? The Lancet, which is a medical publica- uh, publication, one of the most read in the world, is alluding that the United States may be the inventor of uh, SARS-CoV-2. And SARS-CoV-2 has allegedly been found where it had been worked on in Ukraine, in biolabs funded by the United States. These are stories that are bubbling under the surface. Only time will tell how valid these stories are. 
But remember, remember I said don't have this short memory. A lot of people have a short memory and the, and the media counts on it. You know, back in 2020, if anybody said the virus came out of a lab in Wuhan, Dr. Fauci was saying, no, 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 it didn't come from a lab. It's impossible to come from a lab. It naturally occurred. It came from a bat that somehow ended up in a meat market in Wuhan, and that's how the pandemic began, and people were dying on the streets, but you don't need a face mask, but now you do need a face mask. Stop and think about how this incredibly changing narrative has has morphed month by month and how people lived in fear, and many still do. Even though Joe Biden declared the pandemic over, there are some people that will just, they, they can't let go of the face covering. They believe being quadruple vaccinated with a face mask, they're going to be COVID proof. Let's hope that the vaccine is not worse than COVID. And honestly, I'm going to just my last word on COVID, by the way, for today. The one thing that has become apparent to me and cannot be denied. When the Biden administration was trying to talk about how getting everybody vaccinated was saving lives, it too was a lie. Yes, you know, we see now the symptoms if you're vaccinated are lower. No, what you have is Omicron whose symptoms are naturally lower we don't have delta out there really anymore we don't have the original SARS-CoV-2 has morphed and morphed and morphed where the original vaccines are totally worthless they're even saying that the new vaccines nobody really wants them these new bivariants the number of people getting them or eligible is 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 kind of it's declining in other words, people are walking away from all of this. Some, not not all, but many are. And so do you want to be going into the election still, still beating that drum? I know some governors do because they love the power. They, they are addicted. They are horribly addicted to that power. And it's an addiction that I think is going to be terminal for them. They, they, they're going to, they, they can't, get, they'll never get rid of it. So here we are. COVID is supposedly going away. We'll probably have a COVID hangover. Maybe after the election, some places will bring it back if they need to for control of people. But I'm reading some other stories, and I want to get into these uh, today as well. One of the stories that the mainstream media tries to sugarcoat and ignore pretend it's not what it really is, is occurring here in the United States in particular. And that is the the southern border of the United States having a welcome mat for people from all over the world. And if you are one that is concerned about border security and national integrity, you're called a a hater, a xenophobe, or whatever. If you're a Christian and you talk about border security, they always say, well, well, no, the Bible talks about the stranger, the this and that. Yes, it does. But it also talks about not breaking the laws of the land you're going to. There is sovereignty in nations, and it's recognized in Scripture. 
Well, you know, Jesus traveled to, you know, to Egypt when he was a baby. They had to leave. Yeah, Egypt was also then a part of the Roman Empire, just like Bethlehem and Jerusalem. Like going from North Carolina to South Carolina. Same overall in a large nation. But one of the things that it, that is occurring, and some some people are reporting on this, is that what we're seeing at the border of the United States is really a plan to create a regional government in the United States and Canada and Mexico. And this is a goal of the United Nations. And when you think about it, there are millions of people that have come across the border in just a year. Millions, not not thousands, millions, along with the fentanyl and everything else and the crime. And of course, if you take 50 people, just 50 out of these millions, and send them to Martha's Vineyard, then you're just, you know, that you're just an evil person. But see, these people that are open border globalists that are that permeate the Biden administration. The Biden administration, and I don't know any way to put this, consists of some of the most sinister, evil, perverted mindless, dangerous reprobates that have ever had power in government. It's like it's a requirement to work in the Biden administration. You have to be celebrating some kind of perverted behavior. You know, you've got to either be a, sentin- a Satanist. You've got, you, you've got to be, uh, you know, pushing transgenderism, homosexuality, you have to believe in in abortion even for days after birth and on and on it goes. You have to buy into this incredibly satanic narrative or you can't work at the White House. And so people with a reprobate mind, they cannot see reality. They, they live a lie. And so the real goal is not to have a couple of million people or three or four. They, the idea is to bring 100 million people into the United States as the basis for forming a regional government instead of a national government. This is what the United Nation wants. And even some of the rhinos, yeah, there are a lot of those in the Republican Party. They're Republican in name only. They're New World Order types, and and, and they're very despicable, and, and they're individuals that I simply don't trust. Mitch McConnell is one of them. Mitch McConnell is a disgrace to the United States Senate. He's a liar. He is not the conservative he claims to be. He knows how to, you know, say the right thing at the right time. And if the Republicans should gain this United States Senate, I hope they fire him from that job and get a real leader. Mitch McConnell is a tool of the rhino establishment. He doesn't care about you or I or anybody else. Just his feathering his own nest. And so moving millions from Mexico and the southern nations so the United States can be remodeled and then fall under a regional government. This is the nightmare we face, and I think those in the Trump administration understood it years ago. I was thinking the other day, there are three things, there are three things that cost Trump the election in 2020 some voter fraud enough to tip it 
enough to add a little bit of a safety margin in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, Arizona. So a little bit of voting shenanigans. But also a lot of people were wondering, where is the wall? It's not completed. Well, of course, you know, a lot of people don't understand that by in 2018, we had lost the House and the Senate. Trump didn't have that backing anymore, so getting the wall done became a hundred times more difficult. And there was one other thing that that cost Trump that that little margin of voters. The fact that he failed to fire the fraud Fauci and Dr. Burks. Those two individuals, by the way, if you look at the autobiography or the book that was written by Burke, she admits that she hated Trump. And she was the one that steered these unscientific lockdowns and destruction, which decimated the economy. And once again, there are a few more people that, you know, walked away from Trump or didn't bother to vote. So between voting fraud the wall not being thoroughly complete and Fauci and Burks, yeah, Trump lost. The lockdown lunacy cost him. And I don't think, honestly, I don't think that Trump thoroughly gets it yet that his failure of firing Fauci and Burks, he may complain about them now, but he should he should be more emphatic about it. I don't think he fully grasped how, how much damage it did and how people really wanted that wall. The wall is still not finished. And then you got to remember, you had people like Paul Ryan, who's a Benedict Arnold. I mean, Paul Ryan to me is another one of those people that when he decided to retire from the Congress and not run in 2018, he was cashing out. He's a rhino. He's a liar and he's a fraud. The guy was a total fraud. He was the, he led the house. He was the speaker of the house and he stabbed all conservatives in the United States in the back. And then he cashed out and left. And you have Mitch, the big sellout, still parading around the Senate. I hope I hope there are enough Republicans with backbone to make sure that he cannot be the leader of the of the United States Senate if they should, by some miracle, get it back. Mitch has got to go. Mitch can no longer be the leader. I don't want to hear his mouth run anymore. He's lied, lied too much for too long. It's time that we take our nation back. And see, what we have going on right now is something that can best be called the Europe is the we're becoming more like Europe. The European nation of the United States is occurring day by day by day here in the United States. Every year, Christianity declines, not by a whole lot, not by a massive amount. It's just one one and a half, maybe 2%, depending on the year. It's not too much, just 1%. But over 10 years, that's really over 10%. In 
in 10, 15, 20 years, it's 20, 25, 30%. And one thing I really do see happening is there's going to be an acceleration of that rate. And let me tell you why. The last of the greatest generation, they're pretty much gone. There's a group called the silent generation that they were never old enough to serve in World War II. Some may have served in the Korean conflict. They're the ones that are in their later 70s and in their 80s right now. And they're some of the last of the regular churchgoers. And as they die off, that that 1% decline is going to jump dramatically. It really is. Baby boomers have been terrible and marginal over the years in terms of their church attendance. Their children, my children and grandchildren, are among the worst attenders of church in the history of this nation. Because the parents didn't deem it important, they never cared, and they have sold their souls to, well, their jobs, their careers, their narcissism. So let's go back just 10 years. 10 years. In 2011, 63% of citizens in the United States. And I know it was lower in Canada. I understand that. And and the UK, you know, you've been well ahead of running away from things of faith long before the United States started. 63% of the United States citizens identified as Christians. And that number, that number has declined. It used to be 78%, not that many years ago. Before the year 2000, it was around 80-ish percent. Now it's 63. And the truth is now, it is maybe 49%, if you're really honest. And of the 49% that claim to be Christian, well, only half of them are active in their faith. In other words, we have become just like Europe. Our churches, there are many of them on a Sunday morning. Churches built back in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, even 70s that can seat 150 people have 30 and 40 in the pews. Pastors are quitting their jobs at at an incredibly high rate. They're burnt out. Many that go to seminary, start in the ministry in their mid to late 20s are burnt out and gone by their 40s. Starting a new church it's not an easy task. You know, the group that call themselves Protestant is the biggest religious group in the United States. And Protestant covers a lot of territory. But they're the ones that are going through the largest and most rapid loss. I can remember when the Southern Baptist Church back in the 80s and early 90s was the fastest growing church in America. And now they're the fastest declining. We are losing our faith. And we have nothing tangible to put our faith in. The minority of people are the ones that may believe. The majority 
Not so much anymore. They don't believe, they don't pray, they don't go to worship services. They don't even know what they believe. They may be spiritual. Well, I got news for you. Demons are spiritual beings too. Church attendance. Church attendance has dropped. Only 32% of those that claim to be a Protestant of some kind attend a church service anymore. That means close to 70% don't. In the Netherlands, when you look over in Europe right now, in the Netherlands, only 14% of the people claim to be even based in a faith any longer. The rest, well, I'll put it this way. Christianity is not even the default religion for the royal family in the Netherlands. 14%. The other 86% don't believe in much of anything. And the United States is rapidly heading in that direction. I'm running a little over right now. And I wanted to talk about those those things. And I've got one other story. And, and with that story on the other side, then I'm going to take you behind the scenes. And then you'll understand why I'm concerned about the Europeanation of the United States and how the American dream is declining and people having to work more and worry more and their separation, their being, they're walking away, the great falling away from the faith. And I think what we need to do, if you believe in this radio ministry, would you consider your financial support? Number one, go to the website if you have computer access and, and you can find out more about the program. Our web address is pretty easy. It is truththenumber2ponder.com, truththenumber2ponder.com. You can find ways to support us. Our mailing address is there. And you can even send me an email from there or a note. By the way, if you send me an email, I'm not going to put you on a mailing list. I don't do that. I know a lot of places do. Once Once they capture your name and your email address, you are forever inundated. I don't do that because I appreciate being left alone myself because I end up getting hundreds of emails a day, literally, because of places that I have to get news from. So I can understand the overloaded inbox more than most. We also can use your financial support. We have some great opportunities ahead of us right now, and and I I don't want to miss them. And I need your prayers now, too. Tomorrow, Wednesday, I've got a doctor's appointment. And I'll tell you more about it Thursday. Just kind of a follow-up. I had had a health issue, you know, a couple of months back. And it's beginning to return. Now, I'm I'm not really worried, but I am. I'm just human like everybody else. I, I just would like to know what's going on. So pray for me as we head off early tomorrow morning. We have a bit of a drive to get to this appointment. And then I'll kind of share what I learned with you on Thursday. If you believe in this ministry to keep us on the air, would you consider a financial gift? If you would, simply make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. That's Ancient Word Radio. Now we have a new and much easier mailing address. And that address is very simple. It is post office box 510. 
P.O. Box 510. P.O. Box 510. The city is Chilhowie. C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E. Chilhowie, Virginia. Chilhowie, Virginia. And the zip code is 24319. That is 24319. If by any chance you're using the old address in Florida, don't worry. It'll still catch up with us. That that address is still valid till the end of October. Once again, our new address, P.O. Box 510, Chilhowie, Virginia, zip code 24319. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. The lesson of Leland Wang coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. There was a little Chinese boy, and he did wrong. He disobeyed his mother. He got into trouble, and his mother called him with a stick in her hand and called him to be punished, but he ran off, and he taunted her because she couldn't catch him. She stopped running after him eventually. She, she just stood still and said, I feel ashamed of myself. I've brought up a boy who isn't willing to be disciplined by his mother when he does wrong. So I must punish myself. She began whipping herself, her bare arm. The young boy was so affected, he ran back to his mother, threw himself into her arms and pleaded with her not to hurt herself. Please, Ma, don't hurt yourself. Punish me. But she didn't. And there was no more need. His name was Li Lan Wang. He grew up to become a great evangelist in China. As the boy grew older, that memory kept him to understand it. It helped him to understand the love of God and Messiah. What is love? To put yourself in the place of another. God loved you so much, he put yourself, put himself in your place, struck himself with your punishment so you wouldn't be judged. For the little Chinese boy, it changed his life. Instead of doing wrong, he, or not doing wrong, because he might be punished, he stopped doing wrong because he didn't want to grieve the one who loved him. Same with you. You know, we should not go on sinning. But not just because it's wrong or we don't want to get in trouble, but because we don't want to grieve the one who loved us, who gave everything for you. You don't want to grieve him anymore. So put aside that sin that entangles you so easily once and for all, because the love of God is greater than judgment and more than enough for us to start living a new life of victory. Do not grieve the one who loved you and your life will be changed. Want more? Ask for the tender love on CD. Now imagine being plugged into a special line that lets you know future events before it happened, updates on Israel, what you need to know as an end-time believer, and strength for every day of your week, Sapphires, the free gift subscription, and the Mystery of the Temple Doors on CD, yours free. How do you get all this free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' is really name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. So, just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed with your free gifts, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to join me in in reaching the unreached peoples of the world, the most incredible way from Moscow to Madagascar, even to Jerusalem. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You can spread the gospel. We do it every week on Shorey Radio. It's the farthest way you can ever touch the world. That Just call 1-800-YESHUA, Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct. Here's the address. The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, my friends, this is Jonathan Khan saying, Shalom Alechem, make him happy. Peace be to you, my friend, in the name of Messiah, Roeha Tov, the Good Shepherd.
is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to Truth to Ponder for this Tuesday. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Sometimes when I make a statement that there is a leftist war, a leftist war on people of faith and in particular Christianity, some people try to laugh it off. Oh, no, it isn't. Bob, you, you're just exaggerating. You're, you just don't understand. Yet there are stories out there from, from a number of states, Colorado being one of them. Colorado, once a state that really valued freedom, is becoming extremely unfree, extremely totalitarian. To say this is unprecedented, staggering, concerning, we've seen it before, we've seen it in Oregon, we've seen it elsewhere, where people's religious freedom is being infringed illegally by laws in various states and even at the federal level. Now, there's one case that is going on right now. Her, A gal by the name of Lori Smith, who lives in Colorado, and She's waiting to find out what's going to happen with her future. Now, Lori left the, the corporate design world to start her own design studio a number of years back, about 10 years ago. And that was uh, her company is called 303 Creative. So in 2012, she, she did that. She opened up her own company so she could promote causes consistent with what she believed, things that were close to her heart, things such as supporting children with disabilities, the beauty of marriage, overseas mission work, animal shelters, and veterans. I mean, you know, these are the things that meant a lot to her. And she was excited to be able to expand her portfolio to create websites that celebrate marriage between a man and a woman. I know what it's like to build websites. It's not easy. I've got a few I'm trying to work on right now. I wish I could afford a couple of good graphic artists and website designers to work on a few projects. Lori would be the kind of a person, if I could afford it, I would hire her. But see, in Colorado, in Colorado, they are censoring what Lori wants to say and demanding, demanding her to create designs and provide services that totally violate her faith and God's design for marriage. In other words, what you believe in your faith is now being controlled by the government demanded to be retracted. I thought we had freedom of religion and religion, religious expression. It's what it says in the First Amendment to the Constitution. You know, people didn't think back in the 1700s and early 1800s that we needed the Bill of Rights. They thought everybody understood. I guess they don't. And even with it explicitly written, totally written, clear as a bell, it's still being ignored by many states and the entire leftist Democrat establishment. There's a Colorado law. It's on the books. It censors what she can think and say, literally what she can think, because, you know, she has to say 
and she has to comply. Now, she will create graphic designs for everybody, including those who even identify as LGBT, LGBTQ, whatever. But there's some messages she just doesn't want to create. She wants to decide which projects to design based on the message requested, not on the person making the request. Do you understand? That's a very important distinction. She's not discriminating against a person. She just does not want to be forced to participate and seemingly be forced into agreement with a message that she does not agree with. Does that make any sense to you? In other words, if what she's being asked to do goes against her deeply held Christian beliefs, she she feels she cannot do it. But see, Colorado is, is violating her civil rights by forcing her to, to agree and to speak inconsistent with those beliefs in her portfolio. The very core of who she is. Her case has landed at the U.S. Supreme Court, which will hear arguments later this fall. And let us pray. Let us pray that free speech can be can be gotten for her and for all Christians. And I, I mention that because there is spiritual warfare going on in the United States. If anybody had made a statement like that, like she does now, 50 years ago, nobody would have cared. It would have just been assumed. Yeah, that's a Christian baker. He doesn't bake cakes for, for same-sex marriages. That's a Christian artist. She doesn't do things for people who, who are promoting things that she finds harmful or sinful for her. Nobody would have cared. It would have, be, it would have been considered our religious freedom of expression. But today, the demands are increasingly becoming oppressive to people of faith. I know in some cities and communities, any group can, can rent or use certain public facilities, except they bar religious people from using certain facilities. There was a case up in New York where a, a conservative Jewish group owned land and the city tried to condemn that land to get it because they were going to use it for a religious purpose. The land had been for sale for quite a long time and the city didn't notice until a religious group wanted it. This discrimination is happening not just at the state level, not just at the federal, but even at the county and city and village levels all around the United States. It's increasingly becoming a problem. Christians are being marginalized for their faith. They're being openly mocked by the networks, television programs, even in the public schools, you know it and I know it. The public schools are now a sewer and a cesspool. And they are increasingly being inundated with some of the most perverted and, and sick people in our society. Wanting to encourage your child who's a boy to become a girl or girl to become a boy. Or learning and explore their sexuality before the third grade. This is the nonsense we fight in this world today. And too many Christians are hiding and not getting out. Those that still go to church hide in the four walls. What are you doing outside of those walls? The church is not growing, it's declining. 
I'm working in my little corner of the world, and others are too, to change that. Now, I want to give you some some insight about the radio program. And, and I've been doing a little bit of looking about how the show has grown as a podcast. When we started this program over two years ago, we only had a handful of people that listened online. It wasn't something I really thought much about. But over the last year and a half, it has grown immensely. I was looking here like in the United States. I can remember when we first started, we would have some in the Northeast and a, and a nice little number in the South. But if you went to the Western part of the United States, maybe one or two people listening. It wasn't much. But now, if you look in, in regions, and this, this surprised me, I hadn't looked in, in weeks. When you look around, you ready for this? This is surprising. When you look around Portland, Oregon, when you look around Seattle, when you look around the San Francisco, San Jose, and Sacramento region of California, that area is growing at one of the fastest rates of any other place in the United States. I'm beginning to wonder, is it because of the new signal we're on with 9455 kilohertz at night reaching the West Coast, especially that area from Los Angeles up into, oh, Calgary and Edmonton and Winnipeg in Canada? Those regions are are suddenly growing rapidly. We've always had a a surprisingly good audience in, in a number of states like Ohio. And Michigan has been a good state. Indiana has been incredibly good. But we're growing in places like metropolitan New York and even Philadelphia. And surprisingly, we're getting audience in all over Canada. Around Toronto, for example, it's growing, even Montreal. So I'm thankful, even Halifax, Nova Scotia, there's a growing audience to this program. And yes, in the UK, we're seeing a growth. We're seeing uh, all over Europe, we're picking up audience every day that are listening as a podcast. And so podcasting is is becoming a, well, a very important part of who we are here at Truth to Ponder. And I know it's hard to grow a podcast. It's hard to grow a radio show. I mean, we're only on limited times, on limited stations. And I, I really am praying that the door can be open to increase that. I really believe we need to increase that that reach on shortwave and the opportunity to do it is right before us. We even have some opportunity at an incredibly reasonable rate on a couple of domestic radio stations here in the United States as well. To know that there are thousands of plays a week of this podcast in the United States and then even around the world. It's amazing. But there are a lot of podcasts out there, a lot of people competing for your time. I'm not a Joe Rogan. I don't have a multi-million dollar Spotify contract and millions of dollars to promote the program. I don't have advertisers. I don't have a way to 
to rise above the thousands of other podcasts that are out there. I believe the only way this thing has grown is twofold. People found it on on shortwave radio, and then they decided they liked it, and they wanted to share it with others. And so they're either listening as a podcast after finding it on shortwave, or maybe somebody did it by word of mouth. We are on a number of platforms, but I think we could do better than we're doing. This program could reach, I believe, within a matter of months, 10 to 20 times as many people as it is. I need to do the research and work with those that are professional in in podcast promotion. I can produce a program. And I know that a lot of the providers, if you do listen to a podcast, they get a, a commercial at the beginning of the program. I get nothing out of that. I know we take a break in this program, and that's for the shortwave stations, but maybe that break could be used on the podcast for something different. I'm just thinking out loud. We have, I believe, right before us, listen to me carefully, we have right before us, right now, something we have never had in quite a long time. I really believe that we are on the verge literally on the verge of a time where the truth of many things in this world is going to be revealed to those that have been sitting on the fence. There are those that are that will never see the truth because they've given themselves over to the lie and God has granted them their wish of mass delusion to believe the lie under their own destruction. But there are a lot of people that I think for a little window are going to see the truth. The church, once again, I believe, will be pushed underground, but I think there's going to be a time where in spite of the decline in Christianity, and it will still continue to decline, but that rate of decline may slow down. One of the things that I'm really, really praying about, really working hard with other clergy is reaching the lost. You know, when you start a new church today in the modern world of, of the United States and, and you know the Western world, a lot of what our churches have become entertainment venues, and I hate to sound that nasty, and I don't mean to come off being snobby. I really don't. But there are a lot of churches, and I've said this before, where people go there to feel better about themselves. I've talked to, like I say, I didn't get anything out of church today. The music didn't move me. The message didn't impact me. I got news for you. Church ain't about you. If you think it's about you, then you're going for the wrong reason. You go to give thanks, worship, and praise, and pray. You go to learn. And sometimes the things you learn don't make you feel good. Let's be honest. They don't make you feel good. And you realize there's something empty and lacking in your life and you need to get it right. You need to get it repaired. You need to get it fixed. You need the conviction of the Holy Spirit on you at times. Even those that are following Christ, they're not following Christ in all things. Do you see where I'm coming from? And so A lot of times what we call church growth are people being moved laterally from one church to another because 
Yeah, they, they like the preacher there better or the music's better, whatever. Oh, they have a new gymnasium. That's not church growth. That's not church growth at, at all. Church growth to me is reaching the lost. There are people today whose parents never took them to church. They may have gone to a church to attend somebody's wedding. And a lot of people that get married into church don't even go to church themselves. It's family tradition. We got to get married at the so-and-so church because grandma and grandpa are paying for it. You know, there's money in it if we go there. And that's what it sometimes selfishly comes down to. We have a lost generation. Baby boomers, a lot of you are never right with the Lord or, or you've walked away from your faith. I'm reaching out to you. I'm working with clergy. We're going to build some churches. We're going to start churches that are filled with people that have either never been to a church, never made a profession of faith, do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, never were a member of a church, or if they were, it was so many years or decades ago, maybe in their youth, and they never learned, they never made a commitment. There's a window out there, and it's getting ready to open. There's a light that's getting ready to shine for a brief time to expose to those on the fence the truth. I think a lot of truth, a lot of a lot of inconvenient truth is about to be exposed to some people. Just how decadent our governments have been, how many liars our government has, how many lies have been told, and how our schools have been used to to encourage perversion in children. And how many people really need to get back to the important things in this life, in their families and their marriages and their children. That chasing the almighty dollar and a bigger house is not the most important thing in your life. The person that dies with the most toys is not the winner. The person that has done something for Jesus Christ will be the ultimate winner. And so that's the mission and ministry that I'm on. Besides this radio program, we're going to build community. We're going to build up the body of Christ. I want to see this radio program grow. I want to see it grow as a podcast. I need your prayers. Need them for tomorrow's a doctor's appointment as well. Hope it's all decent news. And I need your financial support if you can provide it to keep us on the air. New mailing address, old one is still working, but please start using the new one. You can make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Mail it to Truth to Ponder, Post Office Box 510, P.O. Box 510, Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, Chilhowie, Virginia, the zip code 24319, 243- one nine. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.